I uh, want to describe to you a few, maybe more than a few, dark situations. Some, some bad scenarios, some, some dark situations. If, if you, like I used to be, my, my car would start getting low on the tread on the tires. And uh, I wouldn't go get them as new tires as often as I should. And uh, maybe this has been you before, but low tread on an icy street? That's a bad situation, bro. That's a bad situation. It's setting you up. Get get ready. It ain't it ain't gonna work out good. If any of y'all ever babysat or have any kids, and uh, you fed them, they good and full. And then after they finish eating, you realize you don't have no wipes. Oh, bad situation right there. Calling on you, you know. Go to Taco Bell. You realize the bathroom out of order. Uh oh, we got a bad situation on our hands. Family, there are bad situations that come up quite often. Unfortunately, I, I see them posted and shared and hear stories from friend to friend where a friend thought somebody else was their friend, end up realizing that that person stabbed them in the back. Bad situations. People that have tried to make the best they could, saved a little bit of money, and, and got their money saved up, went to go buy a car, turned out the car was a lemon. Now they have no money and the car ain't running. End up in a bad situation. Like sometimes you just feel like what's around you is insurmountable. Like, Lord, did I do this? Is this brought upon me? Either way, you feel this weight, this pressure of a bad situation, and you're saying, God, help. Help. That's the season we enter into in the season of Advent. We enter into a season of help of God. I'm in a bad situation. God, I'm in a place of darkness. So if you would turn to Isaiah chapter nine with me and we are going to allow Isaiah to encourage us to give us some life to uh, put some wind underneath our wings. Thank you, my brother. As we read, we're going to Isaiah chapter 9. And who's Isaiah? Uh, I, Isaiah is a brother who represents God before God's people. And uh, how many of you have ever had left something in your car that stank overnight? Mm-hmm. We, 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 we let a friend borrow the car. She went to go to Costco, and she went and bought a whole bunch of milk for one of our outreaches. We didn't know one of them milk gallons spilled in the back. Mm, it's just it's just this aroma that was just like, oh, goodness. Well, well, Isaiah is the stankiest of stank aromas to the people of God. Because the people of God are knee deep in sin. They want to do what they want to do. And they've rebelled against God. They also are feeling this weight, this pressure of being overtaken, of feeling conquered by these other countries, these other nations. And they are in this place of just not listening to God. And Isaiah's presence, Isaiah and his family's presence is like a stench because Isaiah just drips 
holiness. He just drips the way of the Lord. And instead of that being a pleasing aroma to them because they too are walking in holiness, it stinks because their lifestyle is counter to God. And so Isaiah is trying to speak some words of life back to his people, trying to give them some encouragement. And almost chapter one through eight is like, come on, y'all, for real? We're going to keep making these choices, y'all? But verse chapter nine is a shift. Chapter nine is almost like, okay, time out. Let me give you something to be excited about. I was mad at you. I was calling you out for trip and I was getting on you for not doing what you're supposed to. Let me give you a reason to smile again. Let me give you a reason to have some joy. Look with me in verse 1. It says, uh-oh, Pastor, would you grab a Bible and flip to that for me? Because my screen is acting up on my computer. Oh, here we go. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. These were both like towns in Galilee. But it's really interesting what the writer's doing here. He's he's setting you up for for a place. He's helping you understand the beauty of this location and how right now it seems like a place where there was some peril, there's some hurt, but there will be some celebration, some joy, some shouting that's going to come out of Zebulun, Naphtali, which is Galilee. And so, thank you, my brother. And so uh, he, he, he's getting you ready, but right now it's tough to wrap your mind around it. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, 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 a town in Michigan. It's a town called Saginaw. Saginaw. When the last time you've been to Saginaw just to go kick it on a, on a, on a, on a day night? Saginaw was like a, a, a thriving manufacturing town all about uh, um, forestry and woods and uh, trees were being chopped down, sold. It was a thriving, bustling area. Then it shifted over to manufacturing. They was doing it, and then the economy tanked. And Saginaw, unfortunately, now is known more often for crime and unemployment than it is for a thriving community. But out of Saginaw came arguably one of the best athletes ever, Venus and Serena Williams. One of the best musicians ever, Stevie Wonder. So see, in Isaiah, he's trying to set up for you like you would never think Something amazing is about to come out of Zebulun and Naphtali. And I don't even know if I'm saying it right. They both in Galilee, though. I know Galilee. They both in Galilee. But get ready. Something great is about to come out of this place. Continue in verse 2. Don't let the, the past history of that place dictate its future. Don't let that be the case with Nazareth. Verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You see this beautiful 
poetic imagery of walking in darkness, that, that what happens when you, when you close your eyes and you try to walk? You're prone to injury. You're prone to hurting you, and you're prone to hurting somebody else. So he's helping them see that, that there's a darkness that, that has covered their eyes, that has affected how they view life, and that that darkness will be eliminated. That that darkness is interesting because you and I used to play games as kids. Y'all used to play tag at night. You sometimes would cut off the light. And if you stay in the light, if you stay in the dark long enough, what do your eyes begin to do? Begin adjusting. Actually, you can become pretty comfortable in the darkness. See, Isaiah's trying to wake them up. There's a, a norm of ungodly behavior that's happened, and, and that norm is one that he's trying to shock them up to say, no, 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 get ready. There's a light coming that will shock you, that will wake you, that will snap you out of that adjustment that's become your norm to be able to have a new lens, new sight. Y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it uh, PG, as always. But, you know, I got, I, got, I got friends and friends of friends and friends that tell me what friends is doing. And it's like, oh, okay, well, well people don't go to the, the club where they spin around on things anymore. Because that's, that's, that's bad. <laughs> but they might, just do a little, they might just do a little OnlyFans page, though. So so now it's like now it's like let's let's adjust what what the darkness is, right? Like let's 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 say that that darkness is too dark, but this darkness we start to feel com comfortable in. I got friends and I tell y'all this every 3 months. Why I say rumors of friends that are getting nervous with them PPP loans cuz it was cool at first. Hey bruh, Remember you sold me some shoestrings once? Say that's a business. Get your 50 grand right quick. It was, it was cool to sign up. Now that the IRS starting to hire accountants, folks' teeth starting to chatter. But you know, the, the darkness can begin to get comfortable. The Lord is trying to wake us up, and, 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 and I'm asking y'all, look in the mirror. Pastor Leon, what darkness in your life are you comfortable with? Where do you not have the Isaiahs who drip holiness that see it and are willing to call it out? Church family, what darkness have you become comfortable with? You see here, he's letting us know there's a marvelous light coming that will shatter all of that. Be prepared. This is a reason to have joy. Because we will be saved from the blinders that are covering our eyes. Continue with me, verse 3. Y'all going to be like, dang, now I got to explain to my kids what, yep, sorry, set y'all up. I was going to say it again, but maybe the kids will forget. All right, verse 3. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. 
He's saying here, wait a minute, wait a minute. Get excited. Joy should be flowing who you are because there is something that's going to happen that you didn't control. You are not fully responsible for. When you go and plant a harvest, and I don't know nothing about harvesting, y'all, trust me. I go to the agri farm to get my vegetables. I, you know, like, like, like I don't know nothing about what I do know is when we went to visit a farm or doing a little Airbnb time, kicking it as a family, the two things that are most important are rain and sun. You can work hard and plant. You can get the ground ready. You can buy the seeds at the right time. You can have everything set. But you can't control the sun, how cloudy it's going to be. You can't control the rain, how much, how wet they'll be. And so what he's trying to say here is you should be able to rejoice because what's about to happen is the fruit of something you didn't cause. How exciting is that? Isn't it cool when you realize somebody tried to give you something? I won. I won. When did I, when did I put my name in the hat? What raffle? You ever had something like that happen where it just catch you off guard with, with an act of kindness or some joy that was just unexpected? Isaiah's trying to tell him and try to tell you and me, you are in darkness and this God wants to break in with a harvest that should have us shouting a new world, a new reality, a new light. He's going to be conquering all things and so that spoil is just a reference to to his kingdom taking over all kingdoms continue with me in verse four y'all for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of midian the yoke the bar the rod says gary smith were instruments used to dominate people and force them to work physically, or they could be used as metaphors to describe a heavy burden put on people through increased taxation or domineering rule. They were right now being beat up. And the, and the beauty of evil is that it is so slick. Sometimes evil is a smack in your face where you physically get woken up. Sometimes evil is, wait a minute, why my cousin got the same car as me and I pay seven times as much on my car insurance as he do? Sometimes you're looking like something ain't right with this system. I'm being taken advantage of. And, and here it's saying that, 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 that some of the oppressor comes in a variety of ways. He comes to physically get you and he comes to systematically get you. And this new one, this new life, this eye-opening experience, this new light is coming to reset that imbalance and say, no, you matter enough to me. So whatever oppression you experience, whether it be physical or whether it be systematic, he's coming to make it anew. Could you imagine feeling enslaved? Could you imagine feeling in bondage? Could you imagine struggling and somebody saying, the Savior's on the way? Oh, I know you're struggling. Hold on just a little bit longer. The Savior's on the way. 
You see, some of us have been lulled into like the rhythm of life and that rhythm of life will like dull your senses. It'll have you like, okay, I get up, I go to work, I say hi to my kids, I play with them, I got to take them here, I got to take them there. Oh, dang, they got to eat, let me get them something, you know what I'm saying? Like, get you in that rhythm, I got to go to work, I come back from work, da 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 And we miss how much we are in need of God and how we can slowly begin to see the lights dim. It's trying to wake us up and say, no, 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 let me take your oppressors. Let me take that which has you in bondage. And the question is, do you spend time asking the Lord, Lord, what has me in bondage? What is the cycles that I keep finding myself in where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to do this again. And for those of you that are there, because I got a couple of those, like keep seeking the Lord. Part of that beautiful song was, was like, the trusting and waiting that God's going to break that cycle. You're a believer and you're in the fight. Stay in the fight. For those of you that have given up, like, forget it. I'm just going to enjoy this cycle that's sinful. Be cautious. That's, that's, that's not the place of faith. We might wait. We might wait a while. But see, our joy is in knowing that our waiting has a purpose and he's even doing something in the midst of our waiting. We don't throw in the towel. We actually get joyful. God, what are you trying to teach me in the midst of this? Lord, help us. Verse 5. For every boot... Of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Brother Gary Smith says again, he says, The burning of boots and the bloody clothes of enemy soldiers signify a victory in holy war where spoils were dedicated to God and military equipment was set on fire. It's basically saying they will never conquer us again. The Lord will free us. And when he frees us, we are free indeed. See, why do I have a joy? Why can we approach God with a joy? Because he is coming to change a bad situation. He's taking a dark situation and making it light. But he uses this next verse to kind of lay it out to say, okay, you, you, you can trust in who I am because of the process and because of how I'm described. The process and how I'm described. Now, the process is going to be miraculous. How I'm described is going to help you stand on my character. I used to be a, a single man, uh, and, and, you know, every now and then somebody would, 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 would try to hook me up. Hey, man, I got a friend for you, Lee. Like, I think y'all should go on a blind date. Cool. Okay, so tell me about her. Tell You know, tell me a little something. Like, how she look, man, you know? Uh, well, you know, she's, she's real sweet. Uh, I mean, she, she fold a paper airplane like none other, bruh. You know, like, like when, when the descriptions don't align with the question, it used to be like, okay, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Let's be real. Okay, maybe passive is too much. Okay. Um, but, but, but. But how you describe someone sets you up for what you're going to experience. 
It, it, it prepares you. It can, it can get you excited or it can take the wind out of your sails. And Isaiah provides these beautiful descriptions of Jesus, of, of the one who is to come, of our Savior. But first he says the process in verse 6 by which he's going to come, for us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. The process is going to be a miraculous process. The process is not going to be he shows up like the rock. The process is going to be he comes through like a child. And so we must understand the beauty of this song, that while our victory is coming, we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to wait because no child overthrew a kingdom. So we have to wait on this child who is promised, but he's going to be different. Look at the way he's described. And this is what is able to give an oppressed people excitement and joy. He's described with four names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Four names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. All right, so let's knock those out real quick. Wonderful counselor. Brother Smith says this combines the idea of, of something that is extraordinary and miraculous with a skill of uh, mastery of, of wisdom uh, and making plans, just amazing counsel. It suggests that the son who is coming will exhibit miracles that are only acts that could come from God. He will be able to make decisions like none other. And you got to remember, these people are oppressed physically and spiritually. So when they see why wonderful counselor, they're not thinking of a therapist, y'all. They ain't thinking of somebody that's going to listen to their problems. They're thinking of somebody who can strategize and take over the enemy. So he is a wonderful counselor because of his decision making will be like none other. And it will be like a miracle the way that he pins in the enemy. And so he's a wonderful counselor, but also a mighty God. Let me hear somebody say mighty God, mighty God. He is superhuman in strength. That term mighty is a term that's only used with God. And so it was unique that that they would say, hold up this man. And that was a signal to everyone. This can't be a man. This cannot just be a man because you don't describe a man as mighty because mighty is only ascribed to a heavenly being. Mighty is only ascribed to one superhuman with strength above anyone else. And so. Our savior who's coming to free us from oppression. It's God himself coming to step into our world. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. Third, let me hear you say everlasting father. That again is a term that's connected to divinity. You see, you wanted your kingdom to be powerful, to be mighty, but everyone knew sooner or later you died. There was never a man that led a kingdom that lived forever. And so even humans didn't associate with eternity. 
associated with prosperity. They're so associated with strength. And so here we see God's name yet again set apart from all others and a reason for you, for me, for us to have joy. You see, whatever darkness we are wrestling with, whatever is lingering, whatever might be uh, trying to help us feel comfortable within sin, God is saying, I have an everlasting experience I've designed for you. It's beyond whatever else that sin can tempt you with. That sin is trying to get you with a, a quick fix. It's trying to get you with a, a quick snack while I have eternity. The buffet, y'all didn't get that. The snack in the buffet, you'll get it later. Hey, I've got it all for you, y'all. Y'all are still getting over Thanksgiving. Come on, Adelaide. Help me out now. <laughs> Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Lastly, let me hear you say Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. This is uh, what Edith's been shouting forever. This is the aspect of God that cares about justice and cares about prosperity. So when you are a person and you get mad when you see uh, voting rights limited, you get mad when you see classism, you get mad when you see greed flourish, you get mad when you see racism take advantage of people, when you see uh, our kids' educational system struggle. Whatever injustices that, that stir you up, you just... You're just embracing the character of your Savior who cares about all things being in harmony and his people prospering. Prospering doesn't mean I ball out financially. It means that I'm good in God. That I know ultimately God's got me come what may. And so these four descriptors are things that are waking up the eyes, the dark eyes of the people of God, and now they are seeing. And my question is, are you seeing? Are you realizing that, yeah, Lord, maybe there's some areas where I need to be asking you to come, where I need to be sensing your presence? You know, we, we um, labeled our series uh, Echoes in the Darkness. Because a prophecy is, is not just like, hey, let's tell the future. A prophecy is God revealing his will, and his will stands outside of time. And so sometime his will is before it actually takes place. A prophecy is God revealing his will to one of his shepherds, and that shepherd communicating, that prophet communicating that it will take place, and it does. It's God's revelation. It's God's will that's going to be acted out. And all throughout the Old Testament, God communicates his desire, communicates his plan. And prophets speak forward into it coming to pass. And then we get some beautiful scriptures in the New Testament that actually confirm and display those prophecies in, in their full glory. So verse 7, uh, read with me, and then we're going to turn to Luke chapter 1. Verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, 
to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There's no end to the, to the reign and rule of his peace, of his shalom. There's no end to it. And so now, if that's in the minds of those, and, and, and they were expecting a king right away. They were expecting God to come soon. We get the beauty of this next story in Luke chapter 1. Well, we now get to look back at God responding. Luke chapter 1, and we're looking at verse 26. And when everybody's there, let me hear you say amen. Luke chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 26. We're going to dive in there together. And it's probably page number, where am I on? Luke chapter 1. What did you say there? 855. 855. Thank you, sister. Now hear the response to that prophecy, to that plan, to all of this excitement that the people of God were able to have believing that God was going to come through. Sorry, in verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. That place rang a bell. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favorite one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. And tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Family, this is the, the living response. This is uh, all of the preparation. This is all of the plan. This is all of the hope manifested, actually 
coming to pass, actually uh, playing out just as the prophecy has said. And Mary responds faithfully. She responds in obedience. She responds, uh, you know I ain't been with nobody, right? But I heard that you was miraculous. I heard that you could do miracles, and so I'll trust, and so I'll believe, and so I can walk in knowing that nothing is impossible with God. Family, as we consider uh, who God is, what he is to us, I, I, I just... You know, it's always bad when uh, a good football game happens before preaching on Sunday, right? I'm trying to be like as masculine as I can be and roll my eyes at y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's almost burned Scott's jacket a minute ago. Um <laughs> But 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 it but it the reason why it's it's uh, it's weighty when you consider those games is is you see the effects of people and how how celebration and joy shocks you. My sons and I were watching a game and uh, there was a a World Cup game on, and there had to be 10,000 people sitting in India watching this game. I mean, the streets just full. Somebody scored, and you saw a man jump in the air with his child. Both of them jump in the air. And you're like, look at that excitement. Look at that happiness. Look at that joy. I believe joy can be expressed and it's not only for God. But I, but I want that type of jubilation. I want that type of response. I want it to interrupt what you are doing when you consider the one who's making these promises to you. I will be your wonderful counselor. I'll be your everlasting father. I will be your mighty God. And what we should be responding is, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you. And it be okay. And I wonder what, what darkness has, has come over us at times where we're more comfortable being chill, chill reserved, and not joyful. And I'm not saying your joyful has to be as loud as me, because y'all know I'm loud anyway. But what does your joy look like? Macab, I think that's a fair question that you should be able to answer with another Isaiah, another person who loves you, who, who loves God. What does your joy look like? Not what does your fun look like, because fun could just be a distraction from pain, right? Like, I'm going to just have some fun because I don't really want to deal with my stuff. But joy is something that helps me through pain. It helps me even in the midst of pain. It's where I set my mind on thee even when what's around me doesn't seem peaceful. And so what does your joy look like? 
even in the midst of sitting patient, can it shock you? Can it wake you up? When's the last time you had a good shout for the Lord, even if it's an internal shout for the Lord? Macav, we're in a season of Advent. The whole word Advent, it means coming. If you have not experienced that joy in a while, say, Lord, come. Lord, I need it. Lord, I long for it. I don't even know how to get it. All I know is I want it. Help me to experience a taste of it. I dare you to ask somebody, what's joy look like for you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for this body. I thank you, Lord, for their their smiling faces, their kind acts, Lord. And I don't want joy because of what it does for one another, how how their joy encourages my joy, and there's a ripple effect in here. But, Lord, I also want it for them. Yes, Lord, a communal experience is beautiful. But individually, Lord, may we have joy in you because of who you are to us. You are steadfast. So these beautiful truths that describe who you are still apply to us today. I get the beauty of an everlasting father, one that knows my past and still loves me and says, I want to be with you forever. That's the type of eternal father, everlasting father we have. And we are thankful for your mighty presence to do miracles. Lord, perform the miracle that shakes us out of our patterns and lets us experience the joy that you have to offer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.